To say that a town is cursed can be a troubling statement to make. It implies an ominous doom that can never be banished. To say that the Wisconsin town of Black River Falls was once a cursed place may be a bit of a stretch, but I think we can all agree that whatever happened there between 1890 and 1910 was certainly out of the ordinary. Perhaps it might be fitting to say that the Northwoods town suffered from a serious spell of temporary insanity, a sort of deranged Lake Wobegon, if you will. Something caused this once pleasant, thriving small town to become a place of death, horror, and strangeness. Something happened because it certainly didn't start out that way. The great forest of pines in the region offering the chance for anyone to become a wealthy lumber baron was what lured the first settlers to what would become Black River Falls. The village was founded in 1839 by Jacob Spaulding and other lumbermen. They established a sawmill and a trading post and began a good relationship with the nearby Winnebago tribe. Logging and then mining became the major industries for Black River Falls, and a dozen or more sawmills appeared along the Black River. More people arrived, and the village grew to a population of around 200 by 1850. Stores, churches, a school, and mercantile shops appeared, and even when most of the downtown was destroyed by fire in 1860 and again in 1878, the village persevered and rebuilt. But as the end of the 19th century neared, things began to change. What happened next has baffled generations of residents and historians for years. Was what happened in Black River Falls caused by a collapse in the economy? Well, it's true that the mines and lumber industry shut down at that time, leaving people without jobs and causing the banks and many businesses to fail. There were also several bouts of sickness that swept through the area. Bad weather devastated local crops and cold, bleak winters caused starvation and anguish for those who had lost jobs or barely eked out a living. Many turned to alcohol for comfort, leading to violence, manslaughter, and abuse. There was talk of curses, witchcraft, and the devil that circulated among the residents. It was difficult for anyone to think of another reason for the town's sudden decline. During this terrible period, the seemingly doomed inhabitants of Black River Falls surrendered to suicide, murder, destruction, and depravity. Welcome to American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to our new season, Woods and Fields, Dark and Wicked, which is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. We have a long road ahead of us this season, traveling to America's forests, farms, and fields with tales of witchcraft and hexes, cults and curses, calamities and cannibalism, massacres and mysterious disappearances, and more magic, mayhem, sinners, and spirits than we'd ever offered before. In this episode, we're going to travel to the very strange town of Black River Falls, a place with a history that is unlike any other among the woods and fields of America. It has a story that you may find impossible to believe, but I can assure you, it's all true. Be sure to lock your doors when you listen. This one's going to get weird.
Some very unsettling things happened in Black River Falls over two decades at the end of the 19th century and the first decade of the 20th century. Epidemics, insanity, suicides, burnings, bank closings, early deaths among them. But it's unlikely we would know anything about this dark period in the town's history if not for the 1973 book called Wisconsin Death Trip by Michael Lisi. The trip started by accident. In 1968, Lisi was a college student in Madison. Bored, he wandered into the Wisconsin Historical Society one day and discovered thousands of glass slides that had been taken by a turn-of-the-century photographer named Charles Van Shake. He had been a local photographer in the town of Black River Falls, and his images painted a grim picture of life during a horrific time in the town's history. Intrigued, Lisi began scouring through microfilm and read countless newspapers from the time period. What he found were often haunting written accounts of the harsh existence in this small Wisconsin town. Banks closing, children dying of disease, admissions to the local asylum. It was the American dream gone wrong. Five years later, Lisi published Wisconsin Death Trip a collection of Van Shake's photographs framed by news clippings from that grim time in Black River Falls. But it's the images that tell the most tragic stories. Van Shake was a small town photographer. His business was to create a visual record of births, marriages, families, businesses, homes, and even horses. He didn't consider his photographs to be art. They were simply meant to preserve a likeness and freeze a moment of time. It was not so much a form of applied technology, Michael Lisi said, as it was a semi-magical act that symbolically dealt with time and mortality. Well, this is a perfect description of one of Van Shake's specialties, post-mortem photographs of children. The archives contain dozens and dozens of them, heartbreaking images of babies posed inside their tiny satin-lined caskets even side-by-side -side coffins of siblings who had died together. They were not meant to be morbid, they were acts of love. So many children died of illnesses in the late 19th century that grieving parents wanted physical records that their children had existed. Many could not afford family photos, so these formal portraits of death were often the only visual reminders of what the dead had looked like. When he died in 1940, Van Shake left 30,000 of these glass plates behind. They gathered dust in his studio for 30 years before the Historical Society was able to save about 8,000 of them. They remain timeless visual touchstones of a terrible time and place, as do the written accounts of what occurred in Black River Falls. The Badger State Banner was a weekly newspaper tasked with reporting both the mundane and the morose goings-on in the community and the surrounding Jackson County. It was edited by Frank Cooper and his son, George. They told their stories in small chunks of copy, written in a short, matter-of-fact style that often leaves us to fill in the holes with our own imaginations. Their small bits of daily life chronicle tales of death, arson, murder, and madness in the bleak little town. The stories sometimes turn deeply personal matters like suicide and mental illness into a public conversation, confirming the rumors that residents had already heard. 
And yet these dark stories were also a way for the town to collectively share in the plight of those who were suffering. And here was plenty of suffering to go around. As we delve into the story of Black River Falls today, we're left to wonder, only halfway joking, if the entire countryside was filled with lunatics at the time. Well, times were tough then, especially for people who didn't have much money to begin with. All across the country, a run of bank failures and the depletion of the gold reserve set off an economic depression that quietly became one of the worst in American history. And the folks in Black River Falls were hit hard. Businesses closed, leaving people out of work. The mostly German and Norwegian immigrants endured long, bleak days and nights in this isolated place. And when disease ravaged the community, all seemed hopeless. This was not the opportunity they had traveled across an ocean to find. A fair number of them fell prey to madness and suicide, and why not? Back then, facing an empty bank account or a child dying from diphtheria or looking out at a season's failed harvest and wondering how food was going to be put on the table, we can only imagine how many questioned their ability to make it through to another day. But in Black River Falls, people answered that question far too often by deciding not to try. From the pages of the Badger State Banner, dateline Black River Falls, Wisconsin. A 60-year-old woman found a small sore on her back. Believing that the unknown mass was cancer and would eventually kill her, she attempted to remove it herself. She doused herself in kerosene and then went out in the backyard and set herself on fire. Mrs. John Larson, the wife of a Black River Falls farmer, went insane and began to believe that devils were after her. She took her three children to Lake St. Croix and drowned them one by one. John Larson only found the bodies of two of his children. The third dead child was never found. After suspicions were raised about botched funerary practices led to an investigation at Rosedale Cemetery, it was discovered that Sarah Smith had been accidentally buried alive. She had been in some kind of trance when she died. Her body was found in her coffin, twisted onto her side. She had bitten half her fingers off when she awoke and realized her fate. After the banks in town failed, a distraught farmer named Christ Wold decided to take his own life. He dug a hole in the ground, filled it with the dynamite that he used to remove tree stumps, stuck his head in the opening, and lit the fuse. John Anderson, age 13, ran away from home with his 10-year-old brother. They shot and killed the owner of a farm on the far outskirts of town and took over the property. When the farmer's brother came to visit, the younger of the boys confessed to the crime, but John fled, leading sheriff's deputies on a chase. A deputy was killed in the pursuit, but John was caught and sentenced to life in prison. 
In the early 1890s, a diphtheria epidemic swept through town, ravaging the residents. Many children died, which subsequently caused the schools to close. Residents burned down the homes of anyone who was sick, hoping to stop the spread of the disease. The epidemic led to more suicides and murders caused by grief and panic than deaths caused by the illness. A homeless drifter who had the bad luck to pass through town was given food and shelter for two days by the Wright family. When one of the children referred to the man as a tramp, he attacked them and ransacked the house looking for money. After fleeing the home, he wandered down to a nearby pond and shot himself in the head. A group of traveling drifters, gypsies in the parlance of the era, arrived in the community one weekend. More than 50 of them invaded the Sheldon farm and decapitated 18 of the owner's chickens. The farmer, believing that the devil had taken control of his property, burned the farm to the ground. He didn't know it, but the gypsies had already left. They were camped in woods outside of town, enjoying a feast of fresh chicken. Lydia Berger, age 15, set fire to her father's home and barn. She did so out of revenge because her father had beaten her for sneaking away to a carnival. When a kind neighbor took the girl in, she paid back their charity by setting fire to their property too. She set several other buildings on fire before she was finally arrested for arson. One night, a new father, after consuming too much alcohol, tried to settle a crying child. When the infant continued to wail, he beat the baby. He then tried to strangle his wife when she intervened. Neighbors rushed to the scene and managed to rescue the wife, but the baby had already died. A young boy named Nestor Provencher visited a traveling hypnotist that came through town. Afterward, the boy was unable to speak louder than a whisper for the next four months. Doctors believed that the boy was still under some sort of hypnotic trance, which didn't permit him to talk as he once had. Nestor remained mute for several more months, and then his normal voice returned. The nude body of a local housewife, Mrs. Armbruster, was found on the side of a road a few miles outside of town. She'd recently lost a child, and the authorities believed that she had wandered away from home in a fit of delirium and froze to death. A young man from the community proposed to a local girl, but she refused to marry him. Enraged, the scorned man shot her three times and then turned the gun on himself. A man in town publicly attacked and killed his ex-wife and her family after their divorce. A teenage bride-to-be was institutionalized after her fiancé left her. She later committed suicide. A 50-year-old man hanged himself after he was served with divorce papers. Mary Sweeney, who the newspapers called the Wisconsin Window Smasher, was a former school teacher who ran away from her husband and began frequently using cocaine to quiet her nerves. Apparently, it didn't work. She managed to destroy over $50,000 worth of glass in a wild crime spree. She was jailed more than 100 times and was eventually sent to an asylum. Mr. Axel, a local farmer, cut his wife's throat one morning and then killed himself. There were various rumors that went around about domestic issues between the couple, but the few who had recent dealings with the farmer attributed the murder-suicide to an aberration of the mind. A farmer who lived near Red Cedar Lake claimed that a 40-foot-long reptile appeared out of the water and carried away one of his hogs. 
Another farmer, Frederick Windex, committed suicide by drowning himself where his young daughter had been accidentally drowned two years before. In 1891, a well-known doctor named Jockwish began telling a story of how his soul separated from his body and went up to heaven, where he met and talked with his dead father. The doctor, everyone agreed, was a man of a sound mind, but his story caused his relatives to fear he had become somewhat insane. The wife of farmer Hans Nelson committed suicide in her home by cutting her own throat. She had been, the paper stated, deranged for some time. The 80-year-old mother of an imprisoned man threw herself in front of a train and was cut into three pieces. She was crazed by the disgrace of her son in prison. A woman was recently found wandering the streets with a dead baby in her arms. She was from Chippewa County and had lost her husband and was destitute. Charles Gregory, while jumping on a moving freight train, was run over. The top of his head was taken off and his brains strewn on the track. It is reported that a house owned by Adolf Wolmer is haunted. It is perfectly quiet around the house until the dread hour of night approaches when it is suddenly illuminated. Distinct sounds of footsteps are heard pacing the floors and doors swing to and fro, yet no object is perceptible. This scene is of very short duration, lasting one or two minutes only, and it is repeated several times during the early morning hours. Around 11 o'clock Tuesday forenoon, David C. Hodge took a large dose of morphine, which resulted in his death about 12 o'clock that night. The deceased left a note saying no one would himself was to blame for the act. He leaves a wife and four little girls in destitute circumstances. He was a sober and industrious workman, quite well known and respected. Mrs. Hiram McDonald, rendered insane by religious excitement, attacked her children recently and wrecked the furniture and windows in her home. Mrs. Frederick North, a widow, was found dead the other day with her head in a barrel of water. She was thought to have committed suicide. Mrs. John Leininger was recently arrested and charged with poisoning her husband. Leininger found her in the poorhouse from which he took her to be his bride. Henry Johnson, an old bachelor, cut the heads off all of his hens recently, made a bonfire of his best clothes, and killed himself with arsenic. The household of Louis Bartel, within one week recently, suffered the unusual affliction of the death of five members, one being a young woman of 21 years. Two other children are not expected to recover. Mrs. John Shee committed suicide recently by cutting her throat with a small case knife and was found dead in the woods near her home. William Oliver, a respected farmer, killed himself while taking a dose of carbolic acid the other day. He was a widower, age 70. The cause of the suicide was said to have been the refusal of a woman to become the third Mrs. Oliver. Benfield Kraus left church, walked to a bridge upon which he placed his coat, hat, and prayer book, and drowned himself in the river. He was 72 years of age. Mrs. Philip Fredericks, age 82 years, who was partly insane, threw herself in her neighbor's cistern and was drowned. She had long planned death in this manner. 
Poverty and no work caused August Schultz to shoot himself in the head while sitting in his little home with his wife and five children. August Prock has been adjudged insane by physicians. For some years, he had been working on a perpetual motion machine and a short time ago applied to the Common Council for financial assistance that he might perfect and patent his machine. E. Andrews shot himself in the head with a revolver and cannot recover. Three years ago, he hung himself while temporarily deranged, but was cut down and never knew of the matter. His family never told him. He has now succeeded. A horrible murder was committed on Tuesday afternoon. The perpetrator was George Palmer, between 17 and 18 years of age, and the victim was Hazel, the four-year-old daughter of Oscar Marshall. The murderer seems young for his age and would not be taken to be over 14. He had recently been adopted by Mrs. Marshall from the State School for Dependent Children. The murderer was found lying in the sawdust in the ice house, apparently unconscious with the smell of carbolic acid about. He said he had taken the poison because he had killed the girl. He made a statement to the authorities that he had always been well used by the Marshall family and had nothing against them. He said he thought a good deal of the child and did not kill her out of any spirit of revenge, but it had been in his head all day that he ought to kill the girl and her mother, and he could not be satisfied until he had done it. It seems he took the child to the barn and struck her on the head with an axe. It was thought the taking of the poison was only a sham, but he is now reported in serious condition. The young man's father is an inmate of the Oshkosh Insane Asylum, and the general belief is that the malady has cropped out in the boy. And the stories went on and on, a seemingly inexhaustible list that chronicled the horrors visited on the region during this strange period in its history. Again, all ask, what happened in Black River Falls? The only reply can be, we'll never know. But we do know how it ended, symbolically speaking anyway. In October 1911, two dams that were upstream of the town on the Black River failed and the resulting floodwater destroyed most of the town's downtown business district. It was almost as if the waters washed away the darkness that had been lingering over Black River Falls for the last two decades. The downtown was reconstructed and the community survived, even flourished in the years to come. But its past has never been quite forgotten and the stories are still told about the madness that seized the place during the darkest days of its history. Well, thanks for listening and we'll see you in two weeks when we explore the deadliest month in America's coal mining history with three horrific disasters that will leave you wondering just what lurks beneath the earth of Appalachia. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
don't have to set up lighting and all that kind of crap. It's like, yeah. dude knows what I look like. He does not care. So, <laughs> so, oh wait, so you're telling me you didn't get like all, you didn't get all pampered up. You didn't have no. everything just set up specifically no. for me. Okay. No, I right. literally set this, I literally turned this on six minutes ago. So you ready to get started then? Sure. Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Thanks for tuning into the American Hauntings podcast, the show where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. We are now in season six of the podcast, Woods and Fields. Dark. <laughs> Did wicked. you want me to chime in on that? I didn't. I didn't know what we were going to do at this point. It's uh, Woods and Fields. Dark. It's it's supposed to be scary. Um, it's it's a scary podcast, people. Okay, um, I'm your co-host Cody Beck, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, crime buff, and the founder of American Hauntings with the notoriously better voice, Troy Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I don't well, know. I, mean, know. I don't know if I'd go that far. It's just it's just something about the the way the that has to be said. I don't know why, but it just is does. It, is would this potentially be the new thing in the future where instead of like. Uh, we used to have a little banter at the outro, but should it just be like in the intro now? It's which one of us can do the weirdest thing for the <laughs> yeah. title or something? Yeah, yeah maybe. Like, okay. I don't know. Just so we can really confuse anyone who's like, uh -huh. this is their jumping on point. For yeah, the absolutely. Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. What, these guys don't even know the name of their show. Like, what's yeah. going on here? Um, dude, okay. So, Troy, we're, we're doing this episode um, a little bit differently than we have at least for a while because uh, you and i are remote yeah. for the first time yeah actually since um, the beginning of the pandemic yes so it's been like two years since we've done yeah. This. yeah yeah and uh, that just you know because of scheduling stuff and and how you know how life works yeah out i got and, a uh, conference in galena this weekend so i could not be there to do this and you were right. tied up last weekend so it just this is how it worked out so yeah and i'm surprised that we haven't just adopted this model completely um to to be honest because so many i don't know because well, it's it. fun to get together but i know it's sometimes it's a hassle so we probably should do it more often than both of us trying to scramble around to make it work as we often <laughs> right. do, but right. whatever, you know, Hey, this sounds, do you remember how bad that episode was that we did? Dude. I think we discussed like pandemic horror movies, remember? And it was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. cutting in and out and the picture was horrible and boy, zoom and everything has come a long way since then. Well, it, it really has. And I remember there were issues where like you kind of recorded some stuff on your end and I recorded stuff on my end just to make sure we had some backups. But because um, again, I don't know if people listen to this podcast, audio engineering, I don't exactly know what I'm doing. And yeah, so at first, um, you know more at, than I do. Well, so at first there was um, an issue where our, <laughs> even our, own recordings were like out of sync so i had to go through like one of ours and space them out and then the other one kind of shrink it down and yeah we just we didn't know what we were doing but we were, we were trying to make it work and kind of roll with you know the, yeah. the times of the world and stuff yeah. and um so but thanks I mean, for everybody that, that we, stuck with us the show that we rarely do this unlike a lot of other podcasts that i even listen to who are they're never in the same place we actually make an announcement about it in case it's really messed up. I know, I know. I it's wanted probably to, just I as wanted, well. <laughs> I was debating, like, should we wait till the very end and be like, and surprise, everybody? Like, but I was no, because like, no, if this sounds horrible all the way through, it's just better to have them know. So yeah, get out, get out ahead of it. Yeah, um, and and then and talk about it. 
um, okay, usually I say like, oh, Troy, I haven't talked to you in like a long time. Like what's going on? But we just saw each other not yeah. that long ago. But I know that there there is new stuff well, there coming are a up. Few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's some new book did come out. The Hell Hath No Fury book two uh, did come out. Um, it, it came out last weekend. And um, I've been uh, really excited about how well people or how excited other people have been about it. Um, because that's the, the first one has always been one of my favorite releases and so doing a sequel to it that's you know grittier than the first one was yeah is actually pretty fun yeah because um, you're a weirdo yeah we get it. i know i know so yeah so this that one is out plus the new issue of the morbid curious the mm -hmm. magazine named by our podcast of course right you know, i found that did i ever show you that note um somewhere i've got a note i thought i kept it oh yeah here here it is I know I can show you on the camera here. Yeah, I no, this, yeah, this works for a podcast. After we, we had been recording here in Jacksonville and I had written down um, the morbid curious because we weren't, I, I was going to, it had to be something. And, so, and we, we weren't going to start a band, but we needed it to be something. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, it wasn't going to be a band because I have absolutely no musical talent. So sure. we weren't going to start a band. That was the big, that was the main thing. Yep. It would have been a great band, but name but not banned, but good band name. <laughs> right. So, but anyway, it is, uh, it is the, the issue of our name of our magazine. So um, if you're interested, you can pick it up on Amazon or at American hauntings.net. Um, what, uh, yeah. What, what, yeah. What kind of, what kind of stuff for, for people who might be jumping in and this is the fifth one now, what kind of stuff is in that? And like, what's going on with, with that? What, what is that kind of project? Oh, well, can, we, can we just recap um, a little bit? It's a way to get to do something that's sort of out of sync of what of, of books that I'm working on. It gives me a chance to, to do some new things. And I wrote, um, like, for instance, I wrote like three brand new articles for this issue. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's also a way to get a lot of friends and acquaintances um, and a lot of people that I don't know, but have gotten to know who have contributed to the magazine just with an interest in, you know, uh, historic ghost stories, true crime, murder, mayhem, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we've got uh, Amanda Woomer who does Spook Eats, who will be at the conference this year, is in this issue. Um, Richard Estep, who's been at the conference and will be back again this year, did an article for this issue. Um, we've had um, some of our past folks have returned. Uh, Alex Matsuo is a friend of mine, and she did an issue, an article for this issue. So it's it's just a lot. Of, it's a collaboration of different stuff. It's just really fun. It's a fun thing to do. I only do it twice a year because it does take a lot of time. Sure. So it's, it's like, you know, um, so there is that. But otherwise, though, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I really like doing it. And, you know, we've gotten a good response to it. We said we're up to issue five. So uh, right. we're rolling along anyway. So the next one comes out in October uh, around Halloween time. So nice. Yeah. OK, I think by issue 10, I will maybe weaseled my way in there sure. we'll see. anytime you come up with an article i'll put it in there troy just keeps he, he rejects all of my entries to this oh yeah sure um, I, do. Oh, I, did, I think i need i need to use was a what's a, a pen name or a pseudonym what, yeah, what's the uh, yeah what use the a official? fake email address and send it to me anonymously uh, <laughs> yes so. yeah um so that's great but are there what do we got upcoming events well i mean uh, it's it's now that spring has finally arrived I, it is beautiful it's beautiful i know it's beautiful right today um i don't want to jinx that but i think it's finally here uh, but all of our spring and summer tours are really kicking off i mean alton chicago springfield 
uh, Illinois. Um, our dinner events, our river road tours are going, which we've been doing those all winter, but um, yeah. we, we, we do, especially in the summertime, the river road tours really start to fill up fast. Uh, but, you know, AmericanHauntings.net, you can find pretty much everything, but all of our tours and then dinnerandspirits.com, that's where our dinner events are. That's where our river road tours are uh, with the dinners included. Um, we've got uh, the, the next event I have, I think, that isn't sold out already is May 21st, and that's the American Witch. Uh, and then I've got a couple of things in early June before the conference um, that are still open. But a lot of stuff is filling up, um, especially the River Road Tours. So if people are going to be out down in the Alton area uh, this, uh, this spring or summer, uh, check on the dates. And, and if you're thinking about you'd like to join us, please do. And I mean, don't forget, you know, when I mentioned all this stuff that you could buy through us, you know, with the new book and everything, don't forget to use that podcast code, that promo code, because if you use it, you're going to get 10% off everything just for being a listener to the podcast. So that's my, yeah. that's my plug. Well, that. and I, I need, but hey, I mean, it's use- almost like we pay you to listen. I mean, really, you're, since you're it's a making, free podcast. You're making so. money, okay? So you do your NFTs, your crypto, and then your podcast promo code. Yeah, I don't know what any of those money. things are, but I know you're what making money. Is, but so. I also, I need I need people to use this because I one of my pitches to Troy early on was, hey, I can help you move <laughs> right. some products here. And if people don't use the right, promo right. code, he's going to stop letting me do this, guys. So <laughs> we, we need, I need you all to rally behind me for this. <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. I was just thinking too, like today we we just talked about it. I was like, it's so beautiful outside and it's like finally so nice. And for some reason I can't explain it. This has been one of those days where I've just been struggling to keep my eyes open. Like it's such a nice day, but half of my um, work associates right now are at CinemaCon right now. So we're getting a bunch of news. I have been seeing that popping up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so much news comes out of cool trailers and stuff. Yeah. Oh dude. They saw like the first uh, uh, 20 minutes of, I can't remember the first 30 minutes of Lightyear. Like they're seeing our Dr. Dr. Strange too. And then the first 30 minutes of Lightyear and stuff, all this cool stuff's happening. And then, um comic-con the the Your hotel home. registration yeah happens uh, tomorrow morning so like i've been coordinating with people all over the place and i'm just struggling to keep are my you going eyes to Comic-Con open this year no i, I won't get to oh. but i'll be i'll be at well, home kind of i know but it, that's usually it's what fun. Happens. if you should you should at least do it once if you ever get the chance it's a lot of fun but man if you've got like um claustrophobia issues Oh, uh, you really know, need yeah. to avoid that that main floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hall H or whatever. Sea of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, and, and all these events are are great because I've I've been to CinemaCon numerous times and I and I love all of that because um, you get to like you get to be on the front floor of like you know the 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 um, sure. studios introducing their their new horror movies and things coming out and you we get should, to see a bunch of stuff. Why don't you go to this? Uh, I used to get to, but then honestly, I think after COVID and everything, they oh, kind of the, the events themselves started to get smaller. Yeah, and so oh, they started to well, you know, tell that man bounce back, and then you'll be able to go, and you'll need a plus one, and I'll need a plus one, and I'll be like, yeah. listen, you, you guys don't know, but he's he's a guy that I need. Uh, you know, everybody's got their roadie or um, their yeah. Troy can be my assistant. Oh, man, whatever. How, what a <laughs> whatever great little takes. twist that would be. Uh, that's beautiful. Okay, as far as um, listener reviews that we usually dive into, Troy, for the first time in a long time, 
we don't have any real new ones to any talk new ones? about. I noticed that too. What is wrong it's, with people? It's been slowing down. So the number of reviews have still been continuing to go up as far as people just saying like, hey, here's a star rating, you know, yeah, let's yeah. go. Yeah, which um, we but, appreciate. And I, and I love that. But as far as people actually leaving um, comments, we don't really have a lot of those. Well, to maybe talk that's about. just as well. <laughs> it and that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, do we? Do we? Sometimes no news is good before. news. Yeah, I was like, do we talk about this before, or do I just be like, hey, thanks for the reviews. All right, let's move on past this. Don't say, you know, no news, good news. Um, but if you guys like the podcast, um, please let us know. <laughs> don't, just please turn it off. You know, it's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and but it's it's been a little while, and everybody's been so awesome. Yeah. I think, I mean, we hit a thousand five-star reviews. Like that was, that's all I, that's all I ever wanted. Yeah, I told you yeah. that, you know? Um, but if you guys, but you, you know, know what I hear from things... people all the time though, I do, oh, I really oh, totally. do. I hear from people all the time who say, oh, you know, I missed this on the podcast or I didn't hear this, or I listen to the podcast all the time. So it's really nice to hear. It is always nice to hear from people because honestly, I, there are many times when you and I both share this opinion that we don't know why people listen. <laughs> yeah, sometimes every day. Know? So, you know. Yeah, and and but yeah, it is I get fun. People, so it is, fun. and I get I get people reaching out every every now and then too, talking about you know, um, and some people have said like, I mean, very very heartfelt things about you know like, hey, you know, I was going through a really rough time, and this podcast like helped me you know, kind of turn my brain off or oh, something well, or whatever. And, yeah. and I'm like, I'm nice. like, Hey, I'm not insulted. Like whatever helps yeah, no you kidding, right? deal with your, with your life, you know, whatever helps you get through the day. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but if anybody has anything, um, ex extremely nice to say, yeah, please leave a review. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, this is one of those things that I think is, I mean, it's so much fun that I've been making extra work for you. Just you so have. you, <laughs> because with that Patreon podcast, I really, you know, I used to just send you files and then you just put them up there. But now I'm sending you files with instructions for sound effects and all kinds of stuff. So Troy's coming know. up with whole ideas for if you're not familiar with this Moonlight Murders series that we've been doing, which is just as much work, if not more, as a normal I podcast. Know. But I will tell Sorry. you, Troy, it's it's worth it because it's cool. It's cool as shit. Oh, good. I'm glad. So, I mean, I've got ideas for next ones coming, you know, after this one. But, you know, we do have like eight more episodes of this this particular story. So oh, yeah, there's yeah, 10 yeah. No, episodes all together. So I thought I thought you were talking about we have eight more episodes for this season. And I was like, are oh, you no. just lying to me? No, there's and more than that. listeners. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's more than cool. that. So. Okay, I was like, okay, I'm just making sure you weren't uh, just bold face lying to everybody here. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We're doing a lot of cool stuff. And we have a, a little, a slightly different episode today, I would it say, than we've had in kind of a while. Yeah. Um, are you ready to dive into this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I can explain why I did it the way that I did it. Because people sure. may be wondering, well, after hearing it, that it wasn't a normal episode. It wasn't yeah, like yeah. a normal episode. Yeah, you know, Troy, so. explain yourself to me and the listeners. And, oh, I did. Uh, I sort of, I sort of gave you a hint. But um, with let's this talk particular about, story, yeah. okay. Do you you want me to go ahead and do that? You want me to wait? So we I wanna, would want to get through the basics first, and then I can explain why I did it the way I did it. Yes, give me okay. um, what I want to say should be thirty seconds, but because I know the two of us, give me ten minutes, and okay. um, let, let's talk about this. Let's talk okay, about the Wisconsin. The Wisconsin town of Black River Falls. So this place already just sounds haunted. It does. It sounds like the you know? name of a Stephen King town. Yeah, Castle right. Castle Rock, and, and, Dairy, 
Black River Falls, Jerusalem's yep. Lot. Just, you know, boom, I mean, boom, it just boom. does. You know, it just it fits right in. A bunch of weird stuff happened there um, between the years of um, 1890 and 1910. Another bout of like temporary insanity, which we've kind of been on a, a pattern here lately of just weird things going on with small towns. And you said something caused this once pleasant, thriving small town to become a place of death, horror, and strangeness. This village is founded in 1839 by Jacob Spaulding and other lumbermen. They established a sawmill and a trading post and began a good relationship with the nearby Winnebago tribe. Uh, town grows, but it's eventually destroyed uh, by, or the downtown's eventually destroyed by fire twice. And then the downtown has some other issues later. Eventually, uh, the industries there, mines and lumber and things sh shut down, causing a bunch of businesses to fail. Things like sickness, alcohol, the usual kind of come into this town. And there's also talk of like curses, witchcraft and the devil. But Troy, you said this one's going to get weird. So why did you feel that this should warrant its own episode? And what are we talking about? here? Well, I mean, after the Dudley Town story, um, which the Dudley Town story, I, I still and I've had some people ask me about it since we did that episode. Um, but I've always kind of felt like something about the ground there was just sort of sour, you know, mm -hmm. um, to use, I think, a phrase from Pet Cemetery or something that, that it was just a kind of a tainted place that it was never going to work. It wasn't ever going to take off. But I think what happened to Black River Falls wasn't necessarily a curse. That, that's why I said that at the beginning. We, we call it cursed. And a, a curse implies that it's something that's never going to go away. This was something temporary, and it was brought on by circumstances, not that anyone in the town did, but because of just what was happening at the time all over the country, um, mm. because we were in the wake of, you know, um, just like, for instance, in 1893, we had a terrible depression uh, that was technically worse than the one that followed in after 1929. It's just that there were a lot more people affected by the one in 1920. Plus the country was a lot bigger by then. You know, sure. you're talking about another 30 some years later. So it's a little different, but you know, the gold standard dropped, um, banks were failing and it affected the whole country, especially small towns like Black River Falls that depended on large industries. Um, they depended on the mining and the logging industry, and both of those were heavily hit by this depression. And so that shut down really the main source of income for the entire town. So if you don't have the logging and you don't have the mines and the bank doesn't have any money coming in, so the bank's going to fail. Plus, if no one has any money, they can't buy anything from restaurants or stores or anything in town. So it affected everybody across the board. And these were largely German and Norwegian immigrants, you know, people, Scandinavian immigrants who had come there and ended up in, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, because it was, you know, a lot like home. And this was not what they expected when they got here. And then when to make matters worse, uh, a couple of different epidemics, but mostly diphtheria swept through not just the town, but the whole region and mostly affected children I mean, can you imagine the, the 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 mental state of the people, you know, at this time in this area? I, I'm not surprised that the things that happened did. I, I just I don't think that it was anything that was caused by anything supernatural or anything about the place, because I mean it recovered eventually, as I said at the end of the story. But this time period was so messed up and so strange and so horrific 
that because of the season that we were doing and the location, and I just felt like it needed its own, you know, it needed its own story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like you kind of, you touched on a bunch of crazy stuff happened to this town in two decades, uh, we, but we wouldn't know most of this if not for a book from 1973 called uh, Wisconsin Death Trip by Michael Lisi. My my question to you is, and I'm, I'm curious about if you, why you love this story. He was a college student who was bored, found thousands of glass slides about the town in like a you know a local um, area. Is this is this does this like reminiscent of kind of you like going in doing research and then finding something that had been kind of undiscovered and, yeah. and weird? Is this why you I have such connection? I think that's what appealed to, to me so much. I mean, I've had that book for 20 years or so. I mean, I've had it for a long time. And uh, I've always been fascinated with the book. Um, you know, he doesn't write a lot for it. I mean, he gives it an introduction and talks about some of the things that happened and talks about Charles Van Shake and being a local photographer and that kind of thing. But if it wasn't for the images, he would have never have delved into it. So it's, it's almost like he stumbled across it. Uh, I, I don't, you may remember recently we were talking and I don't, now I don't remember if it was on the show or if it was um, just us talking, but I told you I found some photos of um, <laughs> dead kids, of course. Um, some photos of some children that had been murdered by this kind of this uh, serial killer in New York in like 1907. I knew nothing about it, but I found the photos, which got me interested in digging into the story, you know, and this is kind of the same thing he did with this and turned it into something that is um, still to this day, just this amazing collection of stuff. I mean, the, the photographs in the book are not captioned. You don't know who they are, what they are, anything about them. He just found these photos that, you know, really evoked the sense of and an ominous kind of feeling about this town at the time and then all the newspaper stories from the badger state banner to go along with them and uh yeah it's i think that is one of the things that really appealed to me about this right yeah you, you talk about van shake uh, it was a small town photographer who did a lot of post-mortem photos of children um we've talked about this a little bit but it's been a while can we talk about post-mortem photos and things i've seen i've uh i was introduced to them by you in the conference and things like that yeah. but can you kind of give a little bit of um they are pictures of people who have passed away but they they they're not supposed to be as creepy as i personally would find them now because well, they, were, they were they were they were well, because they were different, um, and sometimes they're the only pictures you had of people. And right. can we just can, can you give a little yeah, history yeah. and backstory? Yeah, about like especially what, what when it comes is. to kids, um, you, yeah. you find a lot of them. I mean, you find a lot of adults too, but you find a lot of photographs of, of children who have died who were then taken to a local photographer's studio for a picture. Most people, you know, most families, especially in you know Black River Falls at this time, or really anywhere in the country around this time couldn't afford to just, I mean, snapshots weren't a thing. People couldn't afford to just go and have a family portrait done at the photographer's studio. It was just out of the, it was, it was a luxury item that most people didn't feel they needed. Mm -hmm. But when you have a child who's three, four years old and who has died, or, you know, maybe anybody in the family has never been photographed before. Common people just really weren't that much at this time that couldn't, especially if they couldn't afford it. But that might be the only way you're ever going to remember what that 
child or that husband or wife or whoever looked like. So you took the body to the studio, you got them dressed up in their best clothes and you posed them, you know, sometimes with the family, sometimes without. Uh, I've seen lots of photographs. I've had some of these photographs of children with a, you know, a dead brother or sister sitting next to them. And it's, it wasn't meant to be creepy. It was meant to be the only way that you have, you know, a connection to that person, you know, um, in, you know, the rest of your life, because you're going to bury them, you're never going to see them again. And, you know, 10 years from now, you might not remember what a three-year-old looked like, but you'll always have that photo. And this was just something, but, but the thing was, it wasn't like Van Shake was going around looking to take postmortem photographs. It was a fluke. I mean, it was just something that was common at the time. Most of, I mean, his business was to take pictures of babies and weddings and businesses and houses and, you know, all kinds of things. He was a small town photographer, you know, the only one in town had probably a little storefront studio there somewhere and people came there to get their portraits taken. And a lot of those portraits just happened to be mostly children who died during these epidemics, especially um, from diphtheria. Do you know, so I'm definitely putting you on the spot right now. Um, do you know like how much these things would have cost at that time and or how long these photos would have taken to take? Because I'm always, I'm making jokes about how <laughs> you're so old that it took an hour for you to get your you know, senior <laughs> right. portrait. But do you know anything about photos back at this time particularly? Yeah, I mean, I, but by this time, things had changed considerably. Now, if you had gone back to the 1860s or 70s, um, it it took a lot longer. Uh, For instance, just to give you an example, do you wonder why, or maybe you don't, but some people probably (laughs) wonder why there are no action shots from the Civil War, even though there were photographers everywhere, all over the fields, because they couldn't take photos of people moving at the time. All you get's a blur. So that's why there are lots of photographs after the battles of dead people lying on the battlefield because obviously they're not moving. Um, But you had to leave your shutter open for an extended amount of time. Plus you had to travel with an entire wagon because those plates, oh, where happened my video though? What what happened with the, the plates had to be developed almost right away. So you had a lot on your hands. And so it wasn't until, well, by the 1890s, things had changed considerably. And we were almost, you know, by the early 1900s, we were able to start using snapshot cameras where anybody mm-hmm. could take pictures. You know, the, the, the brownie that Kodak made, um, you would take a photo, take photos, and then you had to send the camera to Kodak through the mail. They would unload your film, develop it, and then send it back to you with the, with the snapshots. But the 1890s, you still were mostly using those larger style of cameras. You've probably seen them in the movies where the guy's got the the thing over his head and the big right. flash gun and all that kind of stuff. But it didn't take nearly as long. You didn't have to sit. I mean, in the past, you'd have to sit for five, 10 minutes. That's why hardly anyone is smiling in older photos because uh-huh. they've sat still for 10 minutes and now they've, they're done smiling. The moment's by this gone. time you were starting to get a lot more candles and things by the early, by the 1890s or so, even before that. And so, but cost-wise, it's hard to say. Uh, I'm sure that it was cost according to market, you know, anywhere sure. from, I know that there were like spirit photographers in the, you know, 1880s or so s- selling 
uh, spirit photos for between five and $10, which was said to be an astronomical sum and a huge ripoff at the time, which is how a lot of those guys got charged with fraud. Um, <laughs> but probably cheaper than that for most people like, you know, Van Shake, who was, you know, coming out to take a picture of your house for you. It, it might only been a couple of dollars. But even then, that was a lot of money to people at that time, you know, sure. when, you know, salaries were, you know, five or six bucks a week and you had to pay your groceries and rent and everything else out of it. And you did okay. I think that, you know, a dollar or two for a photograph was probably too pricey for most people. Yeah. No, I mean, and I know that I could Google this and I'm sure that I have before, but I still <laughs> don't know the science behind how a picture gets taken you know even then oh. I, I don't i really don't know the science behind how yeah, I, uh, doing this flash i know it burns something and uh, something other than that I, but i don't understand how it works yeah, it, it's basically magic ghost, to me in one of my old ghost hunters guidebooks when those used to be in print i stopped oh, yeah, yeah. In like 2010 i gave up people weren't listening anymore <laughs> right ghost dust orbs are not ghosts people anyway you uh, heard it here write an entire history of how pictures work and mm -hmm. why digital cameras and film cameras do not take the same kind of pictures, et cetera, et cetera, uh, just to break okay. all that down. So, so I actually so have need to read somewhere I've got a somewhat entertaining, I hope, history of film cameras and how they work, but right, I'll try to right. find it for you. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So basically Troy's explanation is you gotta read my book if you well, want to. Well, no, learn it. It, it, I'm not trying to sell a book. It's not I available know. anymore. <laughs> okay, that's never stopped me or any of your big fans before. But um, let's talk about some of these stories. So I'm not gonna go through all of them, but I had some that I just kind of want to read through, uh, just in general, just to give a good recap, and then what we can talk a little bit about everything in general. Is that cool? Sure, yeah, that's fine. Oh, Okay, so a six-year-old woman found a small sore on her back. Believing that the unknown mass was cancer and would eventually kill her, she attempted to remove it herself. She doused herself in kerosene and then went out in the backyard and set herself on fire. Sorry, it worked. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not, well, I'm sure it worked. I, you know, the sore goes. She right. wasn't suffering from cancer anymore, yeah. No. Um, yeah. Mrs. John Larson, the wife of a Black River Falls farmer, went insane and began to believe that the devils were after her. She took three children to Saint, uh, to Lake St. Croix and drowned them one by one. John Larson only found the bodies of two children. The third child was never found. After the banks in town failed, a distraught, a distraught farmer named uh, Christ. Wold. I knew you'd pick it, Chris. I knew you'd pick oh, this one. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yes. Uh, Decided well, to take his own life. He dug a how could I not? He dug I a know. hole in the ground, filled it with the dynamite that he used to remove tree stumps, stuck his head in the opening, and lit the fuse. And for people wondering what Troy's talking about, I, I chose five or four stories, I think, out of like 50. Um, but yeah, um, and then 50, the, but there's a lot. <laughs> and then the last one, about 11 o'clock Tuesday forenoon, David C. Hodge took a large do dose of morphine, which resulted in his death. At about 12 o'clock that night, the deceased left a note saying no one but himself was to blame for the act. He leaves a wife and four little girls in destitute circumstances. He was sober and an industrious workman, a quite well-known and respected. So I, I picked some of those because you started out with a couple of them, and then I went through and kind of cherry-picked a few others. Just yeah. because, like, to show that there's not really a pattern, there's no method no. to the madness. There's what, just... But, 
madness abundant. Yeah, it's just an inordinate amount of crazy stuff and suicides. You know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this that, you know, you would half jokingly, only half jokingly, look at this and think that, you know, the lunatics were running the asylum, sure. you know, uh, uh, that was Black River Falls at the time. But this is just, this was the atmosphere of the of the town and the area. And, you know, I mean, you're talking about a, you know, a, from 1890 to 1910, it's a 20-year period. Um, but this doesn't even remotely begin to cover all the weird stories. I, yeah. I went through and cherry-picked stories to put into this episode, and there's still a lot. And there's probably 10 times this amount during that period, you know, that were all chronicled in the Badger State Journal, you know, of things that were going on at the time. You know, it's and it's again, it's not, it's not to, you know, put blame on or say anything about Black River Falls. It's not the place, it's the circumstances mm-hmm. that created this nightmare in this town at the time okay well troy the the podcast people can't see this but i had i had to get up had to, <laughs> to stretch a little bit i had to walk around i'm normally restrained a little bit by by what we're doing and i because i can't move away from the microphone right um <laughs> but so so all this i'm just i'm, I'm flummoxed so all this <laughs> stuff happens right um i have a couple different questions i mean first off would be yeah why does this stuff happen but two would there do you think there's a reason why we don't get a bunch of wouldn't this place be primed for ghost stories as far as traumatic history and things like that and so i'm coming at it from kind of two different angles it's like first off why does this happen terrible things happen in towns all over the place but you think this place wasn't necessarily cursed but still why would bad things like this happen is it just due to circumstance are we bound to see that again with other towns you know because now also things can be terrible in places where we're you know that, that are relevant to us now but also yeah why isn't this place just flush with ghost stories if there's that much traumatic history in one place so i'm asking you a lot of questions at that's once okay. but what, what do you think that's okay and i and i think i can i think i can sort of answer it and use that with some you know um a, a little bit of example wise to answer um i for one thing as most sociologists will say um, suicide is contagious. There is a reason why suicides occur at schools and they immediately rush in as many counselors as they possibly can because Uh they know that when one happens, others are bound to follow. Now, this is something that has been a phenomena that has been recognized for probably 50 or 60 years now. It's the same way with mass shootings. It's the same way. All of these things seem to be contagious in a way. And I think that's what was happening here uh, with Black River Falls. Um, can I, can I ask? seeing that. What's that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can I, can I ask with the, with the suicide thing and the mass shootings that you're talking about, um, specifically those two examples, those seem to be things that um, would uh, uh, more along the lines of uh, with children and and yeah. people that are young adults. Do you think that if there were a, if there were like a a workplace suicide sort of thing, would this would we see the same trend, or is it just that children are killing themselves, so more children kill themselves? But if we were to see it in a place where adults congregate, we would also see it more with adults. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and I think that. I, I mean, I think that's a possibility. Uh, I, I've never really heard much of that kind of thing happening, though. I mean, it seems sure. to be that that seems to be something that 
it, it, this is just my opinion because I'm no expert on this. I'm sure. certainly no sociology yeah, we, or yeah, psychology expert by any means. Uh, I'm just yeah. looking at it as far as history goes, and I haven't seen a whole lot of that. But um, in, in a circumstance like this, with all of these things happening and bad things like this happening, I think it probably seemed like an, a, a, a smart way out of of worse where they just couldn't take it anymore and so someone committed suicide and ended all their troubles and maybe it looked good to some of these other people too um and i'm not this isn't a statement on immigrants or anything else but there was also you know for instance here's a st louis here's a throwback to st louis um, okay. you'll remember that you know with the suicides in the limp family that occurred in you know around the turn of the century um, the, the, the cops in St. Louis actually gave that a name. They called it the Dutch Act because mm-hmm. so many German brewers were committing suicide at the beginning of Prohibition because their business was completely destroyed. Well, I think this is the same type of thing. And I, I don't know, I'm, again, I'm not pointing toward the immigrants. I'm just saying that people were seeing the same things were happening to a group of people who then were because of circumstance susceptible to the ideations of suicide and right. the best way out. You know, other people just simply lost their minds and killed other people instead. You know, it just, I think this kind of stuff can happen in waves like this. And mm-hmm. I think that's what happened in Black River Falls at the time. Um, just it, here's here's an example too that's kind of pulled off some stuff I've been doing recently. Um, I did a book recently called One Dark Night. You remember earlier this year? And oh, I um, got it. Yeah, this particular story, that that particular book was was filled with a bunch of stories of people who were having strange encounters with some sort of what I call sinister strangers. Okay, in their towns, and I believe that when almost in in almost any circumstance I wrote about, I believe these encounters were real, at least the first ones, maybe for the first four, five, six days of these things happening. People were really encountering something inexplicable, but that kind of stuff is contagious. And soon people began to interpret every natural, logical thing that was happening to the mad gasser or the black ghost or the phantom stabber or whoever you know people started to report things that were happening that weren't necessarily accurate and we you know we we call it hysteria but i'm not sure that that always fits i think that it is contagious i think those kinds of things are contagious and people started to attribute anything to you know one of these figures well in the case of black river falls i think that these suicides, these murders, this bizarre behavior was also contagious. And, you know, maybe the initial people were, you know, extremely distraught and for very good reason and decided to take their own life or to take someone else's life. And other people just started getting in on the act, not not even on purpose. I believe it was just happening. So in a way, it was sort of like the same kind of hysteria in these other stories. You know, mm-hmm. people just decided that's the way to go and did it, maybe without even giving it much thought. Okay. No, that that's definitely again. I mean, these are enough. all opinions. These are simply sure. my opinions. Um, the opinions of the podcast hosts are not necessarily those of both podcast hosts or anything in the realm of reality. 
they're yes, just, th they're just opinions. I'll, I'll check know? with my lawyer friends. I think yeah, right. that covers me at least. I don't know yeah, about right. you, but but yeah. Um, oh, so, okay. So I have a, a crazy story to tell you um, that I haven't told anybody, and I want to release okay. it on the podcast now, so you can see where I. So you've never been to my apartment before, but you can see where I am right now. Yes. So I I have a two bed two bath apartment that's basically one bedroom connected to a bathroom. It's like a master thing, and then that's separated by like a long uh, dining room and living room. And yes. then the the room I'm in now is my yeah, I've office. Seen some of the pictures, yeah. Yeah, okay. and so there's a there's a bathroom kind of connected here, but everything's pretty much segmented, right? And like yeah. uh, one third, one third, one third. And I recently lost my father, and before that, my my grandfather. And so the other night, I was um, I was reading some Aleister Crowley stuff, and um, I was just kind well, of in one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was in one of those headset uh, mindsets, and so I've always been kind of freaked out a little bit by this third of the apartment this this room um it's always been a little just weird to me so i said you know what i'm gonna go in there it's the middle of the night and it's like i'm just gonna sit down in the pitch black and just kind of meditate a little bit and just be open to whatever's happening and i did that for a little while and nothing happened so i said you know what i'm gonna go into this closet back here because that's even creepier to me um it's a smaller spot it's even more pitch black i'm just gonna sit there and see what happens and so i did all that i don't know i was just kind of feeling like open to things yeah, and like maybe got you a big mirror and did like a psychomantium thing i'll explain sure. it to you later <laughs> thank you thank you yes I, I i was like okay what but anyway so i did all that nothing and nothing happens and i was like okay well you know dad grandpa the evil alistair crowley whatever evil spirits nobody <laughs> nobody's nobody wanted to hang out yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, so I walk back out through this door and I start to go to my room, which is very, everything else is dark. But my room's well lit and my door is just barely open and I see a shadow move past my door and then my door closes to my bedroom, which okay. that doesn't happen because yeah. my, my, my window wasn't open or anything. And it kind of ruined everything for me. Cause I was like, I went to the scariest, weirdest place that was yeah. close to me and wanted to retreat back to the safe space that I had. And instead the safe space is now weird and creepy. <laughs> and I don't know, but I was also wondering too, like kind of what you're talking about, like, is some of that just in my head? Did I maybe manifest some of it or did I welcome it or push it in, you know, to the world or whatever? Um, I don't know. And so, so I've just, I'm, I, I don't know what to think about this town. I don't know what to think about what I just talked about. I don't know what to think. Well, I mean, you could say that the problem is, is that I could say yes to everything you just asked me. Maybe I could say yes, maybe to any of it. You know? Sure. Cause I think that, I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, I, I'm one of those people who does have a genuine belief in the supernatural, the weird, the strange, et cetera. But I also can also see the other side of it, the the way that, that people react to historical events, to incidents, the way that we build things up in our own mind. And believe me, I think that while I hate the word hysteria, I certainly can understand what it is as far mm -hmm. as how it affects people and the contagion that affects people because of things that they've read or watched on TV or whatever, you know? Um, so, so yes, maybe to all of those things. <laughs> right. And yeah, <laughs> and not I, helpful and I mean, at all, but you know, and, well, and will people ask me too, like, you know, have you ever seen a ghost? You've seen this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, listen, I read and, and write and talk about 
this crazy stuff all the time. So it's always on my mind. So I'm like, yeah, how can how can I objectively say anything's really happening and I'm not seeing it or wishing right. it or welling it and or sure. whatever? Like, because I'm like, of course, like it's it's gotta be top. It's like you tell somebody, you know, don't think of a pink elephant, don't see the number 13. <laughs> right, what, right. You know, like yeah. whatever, like all that stuff's gonna happen. Oh man. So, okay. So wait, have you ever, have you ever been to this town before? You didn't put any personal experience stuff in here. So I no, wasn't I, sure. I, I've driven, there's nothing to see is the thing. I mean, I have driven through it, period. That's it. Uh-huh. Um, there's, there's no place to stop. There's no, I mean, this isn't like, um, you know, it's not Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where you've got Mothman <laughs> sightings right, and, right, you know, right, right. it's not like that. This isn't anything that I think that anyone there wants to remember or you know commemorate um i often you know every once in a while i will post something about this story and i get a lot of comments like um oh you know i always thought it was a creepy town well you know nobody else does i mean people who live there go man yeah it was a grim time but yeah it's not like that anymore and it's not you know it's it um it all just sort of it passed you know it was a it was something that happened because of circumstances that's what i'm always going to always going to believe about this particular place. But this is also, this is why it's important for people to, I guess, I mean, before the internet, it was very different, but this is why it's important for people to be historians and to document things and, and, well, yeah, and sure. to, to remember, you know, and, yeah. and that's yeah. why I figured you probably kind of jumped on this, like, yeah. oh, well, like, this yeah. was an earlier me. And that's why I picked two, two different stories, two cursed town stories to show the difference between what's really a cursed town and what's a, a, a town cursed by circumstances. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's why I picked two different ones. They both fit into our criteria, I guess you would say for the season, sure. but they, you know, were very different, very different. Mm-hmm. stories. If you had to pick um, one of these towns to stay in just to like investigate and check out what's going on, which one would you pick? And oh, why? Dudley town for sure. Yeah. So, okay. That's, I don't yeah, think that's anything ever went too. away with Dudley Town, Black River right. Falls. I don't think there's anything to investigate. So. Right. Yeah. No. I. I totally would too. I mean, there were um, stories that were popping up about places being haunted, and I suppose it's possible that there are hauntings in that area that haven't been documented, as far as connected to these events that happened. But um, you know, these events were a, a time and a place, and not an ongoing thing. You know. So. Sure. Craziness. Okay. Well, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our most recent Patreon subscribers. So thank you very much for supporting the show to Kelsey, Sherry, Kayla, James, Molly, Melody, Sarah, Jeremy, and Control Agent 86, which sounds <laughs> like <That's cool. laughs> yeah, yeah, like a weird command you give to like activate a um, Soviet soldier or something. I don't know. Um, So I hope I didn't just cause something, but um, yeah, but it is now time for our ghostwriter segment. So if you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you could email us at American hauntings podcast at gmail.com. This email comes to us from Andrea. The subject is best podcast. The message is I absolutely love your podcast. Is it about cool. ours or a different? Is a recommendation for a different one? I think she got a little confused because she starts talking about. She says last podcast of the le- no, okay. it's yeah. about ours. Um, <laughs> she says I absolutely love your podcast. Both Troy and Cody are great. I look forward to every podcast episode and the opportunity to learn new things. 
I love the different topics of your seasons and bonus episodes. I enjoyed season one. And even though the sound was not as great as it is now, it is my favorite. And I would love to one day be able to go to the conference and tours. A little difficult as I live in Colorado. I have plans to oh, one day take that a- far. We've got guests. We got speakers from the conference coming from Colorado. This I've year. driven from Denver to my apartment in one day. Oh, Andrea. yeah, me too. Um, I have plans to one day take a road trip uh, up there and really want to check out Alton, Illinois and meet you two. I have to say that my favorite part of the episode is the ending with Cody's long ending. I, en- I enjoy the interruptions from Troy and how what do you Cody want, man? I cut it shorter. God. And how oh. Troy or Cody always continues so smoothly. Yeah. So smoothly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, make, makes me laugh every time. And yes, Troy, I'm one of those who listens all the way to the end all caps i love how troy goes deep into investigating the true history of crimes and hauntings so listeners can know the truth i love cody's input in digging into troy's stories asking the questions that we are all wondering about american hauntings podcast is truly my favorite podcast keep up the great work and thank you for always keeping us entertained with history crime hauntings and dark humor p.s i'm with you cody on the fear of ghost children um so yeah, thank I've you so much couple- I've got oh, a couple yeah. too. Um, okay, yeah. What do you got? I, yeah, I had a message that came. These just came in through um, through my Facebook page, and it says, "This week I listened to you on Astonishing Legends talking Belisca for the second time. Uh, my gang is doing a Belisca Sally House twofer in June. I wanted to tell you that your book was huge for us in deciding where to go on our summer 22, 2022 road trip. Thanks. And I also got a nice. Um, I also got a really cool ad. Uh, that was sent to me a vintage ad for um, uh, Peeps uh, featuring Orson Welles. It's a print ad and it says, and it's a quote from Orson Welles. And it says, when the desire for mallow based confection prevails, (sighs) Mm -hmm. I must insist upon Peeps. And that sent that to me. And I, I told Austin, you see, he had to share it. He said, a friend sent this and I had to share the frozen peas outtakes. And then he said, Troy, I always meant to tell you this. I found your podcast by mistake back in 2020 and loved yep. your book on Civil War Ghosts. It's become my favorite podcast. I've listened three to four times all the way through. You and Cody are fantastic. So Yeah. So first off, it was a mistake um, to find our <laughs> podcast. And then Will Will Arnett, like the Will Arnett? No, 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 um, no. It's a, I, I'm pretty sure it's a different Will Arnett. Um, it doesn't look like that Will Arnett. Um in the uh in the in the, in the little picture that comes with this message sure. so i'm thinking it's yeah. not him but well every fucking, time i see it thanks, pop up will. on something though when i see anything communications from him i always think oh my god will oh no different will i like this will. yeah so that's all right yeah so. you know yeah not will's not my not my favorite no um, not now because he sent <laughs> me orson wells stuff but who would have thought orson wells endorsed peeps I'm, i of all things I, 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 Troy, I don't know. You know the, the Orson Welles. I don't, I actively try to not learn any more Orson yes, Welles trivia. Yes, I know. But see, that's something if people join our Patreon, they can find my, the Orson Welles ghost story um, there uh, episode one. that I did just for you. There so, is an exclusive, yeah, about Orson yeah, Welles, the an ghost exclusive story. Patreon. Yeah, and pe- people also love to kind of chime in about that. And yeah. also, we got we have a lot of comments um, on our Patreon page about the first episode um, about the Moonlight Murders too. People yeah. seem to really be liking that. And we just put out the second one uh, yesterday. Yeah, this so week. yeah, yeah, people are people are liking it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so Patreon.com/slash American Hauntings if you want to jump in on that. 
I mean, you know, it, you could do it for like five bucks a month and hear the episodes. So you're, I mean, you're it's not like it's, money. you know, huh? You're making money. Well, yeah, exactly. What a deal. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know how much money it would cost me to learn all this Orson Welles trivia? Yeah. See, and look at that. You know, you could. Well, and where would you learn it? I mean, let's be what? honest. Because who else gives a shit? I would, I would <laughs> no pay $10 no to one. not learn I'm probably about the Orson only Welles. person out there singing the praises of Orson Welles. So, and actually, I'm mostly not singing the praises, but I am having a good time with it. So. You, okay, you love, you love Orson Welles, and I, oh my gosh, okay. Yeah, I, I guarantee you, you're the only one. But anyway, well, that's I all I got. So. All right, Troy, where, well. where can the people find us and all our Orson Well, you, thanks for listening to this, guys. Um, I, I always ask you to share it with your friends. Cody has begged you to leave us more reviews. Um, I, we need fine. them now. Well, I mean, you know, feel free to to put in stars. Feel free to to uh, to leave us a, a written review or send us an email or whatever yeah. if you've got something to say about the show. I mean, something nice to say about the show. Only um, nice stuff. Yeah, only nice things, right? So, uh, and don't forget, I did mention uh, using the podcast discount code. When you go to AmericanHauntings.net to shop for books or events or whatever, just put in the word podcast with promo code and you'll get 10% off. Uh, we also mentioned Patreon already, so I don't have to do that again. But uh, we do have that special series for Patreon members only that is, um, you know, an ongoing series, an ongoing series of stories. So patreon.com slash American Hauntings, if you want to check it out, or usually you can find it on my Facebook page too. I usually post something up there on the on the on the Troy Taylor page as well. So anyway, thanks to li for listening to everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Beautiful. All right. Well, this episode of the American Hauntings podcast was written by Troy Taylor, and it was produced and edited and filmed by me. Oh Cody yeah, Jackson it is for doing the Zoom. <laughs> yes, um, music for this season's performed hey, by. And Packy. I'm not giving you permission to use this video. Just it was so performed know. by Packy. No, 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 no. Don't don't just skate over that. So. I'll call my lawyer friends, and you can find yeah. more about Packy Lundholm's music and his upcoming shows on Twitter, Instagram, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, and Facebook. And you can find more about my legal battle with Troy at <laughs> AmericanAuntingsPodcast.com. Uh, you can find most of us on at those places, too. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. See the whole website and our legal proceedings at AmericanAuntingsPodcast.com. <laughs> For more info about the show's notes, photos, links, or Are there cases, really notes? More. Are there really sometimes, notes? Sometimes there's notes. Are there? Because sometimes, sometimes okay. there's notes. Okay, mm -hmm. listen, Troy. A lot of times I say I'm going to put notes in there and then I forget. Yeah, but, I know. That's why I'm asking. I just ask. I just wondered. I just ask. Yeah, I like not Troy accusing Collins. you of anything. Mm -hmm. yeah, As yeah, my I'll, lawyer will, I will, say, I will add this to our ongoing court case. Yes. Um, yeah, tr Troy calling out business stuff we should talk about after. <laughs> But yeah, but no, that's mostly on me. Um, but hey, thanks for listening. We couldn't, probably wouldn't, and I definitely wouldn't deal with this kind of legal nonsense um, without <laughs> you. So until next time, goodbye. So long. And see you later. Thanks, guys. Uh, all right. Well, my lawyers will be in touch with you. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay, good. All right, hold on.